0: Welcome back to the Woolwich Worshippers podcast. Um, I'm here once again with my co-host, Lewis. How are you doing today, mate?
1: I'm doing great. Um, I just ate some pot stickers and I had a glass of orange juice. It's kind of a weird combo, but um, good. I mean, I've been, uh, been, been minding my business, getting my work done for school and... Um, Watching the Arsenal, so.
0: It was, it was the first Arsenal game for a bit of a while. We had like a we had like a month off. Um, yeah. But it was, a, it was a good game to be back to. It was nerve-wracking to say the least.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Wolves game was one that I was actually very concerned about because this could really be a turning point in terms of like, we, if we lost that game, it really could have started getting bad quickly going downhill. Because we have games in hand, but not really. I mean, it's games in hand to Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham. So we really have really only have like one and a half games in hand because Liverpool, is, I already know, we're just going to lose that game. <laughs>
0: um, I, th- I think that the media isn't really talking about the Arsenal Wolves game as much as it should. Like, all of the focus for the top four race has been on the fact that Spurs drop points, United drop points. But that was a that was a massive game. If we had lost that game, Wolves would have gone above us. And mm-hmm. now I think when we look at the table, um, where if we win just two of our games in hand on three with Manchester out of three in, against Manchester United, then we'll be in the top four ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So I think we have, we have. A, I think that Wolves game gave us a much better chance of getting to the top four than we did like, just a couple games before.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean it was really a nerve wracking performance because it wasn't really dominant, but we did have the better of chances um, up until that red card. Um, but it, it was a, it was a quite a strange performance i thought wolves played played how they've consistently played but they didn't really have any cutting edge and i'm not sure if that was due to them or to us playing well defensively i think it was probably a bit of both um but certainly uh, we when we got into our patterns and we, we we passed it around and switched the field well then we certainly did open them up um Just I I wish I could have seen it a bit more consistently, but the three points is what really matters at the end of the day.
0: Um, You touched on the fact that Wolves didn't really take their chances. Um, I think the fact that they have really struggled to score goals really played into our hands. The only teams that have scored fewer goals than them in the Premier League this season are Burnley and Norwich, who are both in the relegation zone. But that being said, we were immense defensively. Gabriel was quality. Ramsdale was phenomenal. Rob Holding when he came on was superb.
1: And you know who I thought had a pretty good game that wasn't really... Um, um, I don't really think many people have been talking about it, but I thought Cedric had a pretty good game as well. Um, there was a, a worry for me going into it with Tomiasu, um being out because he's been so important to our season. But... Um, Cedric um, really stepped in there well, and he was nice and calm on the ball. He had a couple iffy moments in that first half, but um, overall, I thought he had a great performance. Um, and it gives me a bit of comfort knowing that yeah.
0: he can do a job. I I agree. Um, Cedric was Cedric was surprisingly good that game. Um, he didn't make us miss Tommy Yasu at all, really. And what he did is he didn't just go into the team and try to try to not stick out, try to just like fit in. I think he did have some moments where he stuck out. He got, he got forward. Well, he put in a few good crosses.
1: Um, yeah, to Lacazette. it's just,
0: it's just a shame. The one player that didn't have a great game for us was Lacazette. he's quite poor actually, in my opinion, he should have scored, um, a few other chances. I think he should have done better with.
1: Yeah. Um, that is going to be a big concern going forward because this is a pattern that's pretty consistent um, where Lacazette starts out really good, but as he stays in the team longer and longer, he starts to drift out um, in terms of his form. Um, and I don't see Arteta dropping him because he is the captain at the moment. Um but I would love to see Martinelli go up there after he gets back from his suspension, but, uh, is that is a big concern and he's not, a, he's not a goal scorer. And that's what we need right now. So, um, hopefully we can ch- turn into Chelsea FC and get some more goals from our defenders.
0: I think we've said this pretty much every, every episode of the podcast. We want to see Martinelli up front with Smithrow, Rowe, Odegaard and Saka behind him. Um, I think we could have a good chance of seeing that after Martinelli is back from his suspension because I've heard that Martinelli is playing as a number nine in, in training. And also another thing I could see happening is this is the first time in a while that Smith Rowe will be able to play on the left with Odegaard um in the 10 and then with Partey and Xhaka behind him. And the last time he did was like or like was at the end of 2021, and that's when Smith Rowe was in the best form we've seen from any Arsenal player this season. So if he yeah. has another performance like he did earlier this season, he could become undroppable. And then Lacazette would be the one to make way for Martinelli if Lacazette yeah. has another game where he misses a few chances.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that Smith Rowe, in all the games that he's come on, has done done all right. But I think in – especially recently – or the past month and a half, two months, he's been subbed in into pretty bad situations um, where we're either down a man or or we're maybe up a goal, but kind of holding on. And so I don't think that we've really got got to see, gotten to see him kind of use his strengths in a great way, Um, which I, I guess isn't concerning, but I guess I think that, output of goals and assists has not been there. And I think that has to do with the games that he's been subbed in for and, um, lack of playing time, but I'm not too concerned about that because he's still a young lad and he'll have plenty of time to, um, make up for that. But, um, it's, um, something that hopefully he can take advantage of and, um, Martinelli can likewise, um, filling in at that striker role.
0: I don't think Emil will be too upset about coming off of the bench for these past two games. Um, but I think he's been our, he's been our best player this season. Probably. I think you should give a player like that as much time on a pitch as you can to make a difference.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, I guess for me, Smith Smith Rowe playing with Odegaard hasn't clicked 100% yet. Um, and that's something that I would really like to see because it seems like Odegaard's been good with finding Martinelli on those through passes and stuff like that. But I want to see that with Smith Rowe as well. Um, and I guess that's just because they haven't had a quality run and team together. But... Um, That's definitely something that I want to see and um, I'm looking forward to.
0: I think the last game that Odegaard and Smith-Rowe both started in was the one against Burnley. Um, And what prevented those two from having too much freedom was that we didn't have Xhaka or Partey. We just had Sammy Laconga behind them. Um, And this next game against Brentford, we will have Partey and Xhaka behind them. So they won't have to What's up? Barring barring uh, any cards. Oh yeah, I think we don't have a game between then, though, do we?
1: No, but who knows? First minute,
0: Jaka goes in crazy. Yeah, we could see that. Hopefully, hopefully there won't be any any prison FC news either. But no. we've 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 avoided that so far.
1: Hopefully, we'll continue.
0: Yeah, but but in all seriousness though, um, with the. With the insurance policy of Partha and Jacka behind those two, they don't have to do as much defensive work, and they can just do what they're what they're best at. And that's something they couldn't really do against Burnley because they had to be worried about Sambi behind them. Mm. Um, and I think the time the times that Emil did look the most dangerous was when he drifted out to that left hand side, like he's like where he's played most of the season.
1: Yeah, and I mean. How much praise can you give this kid? But um, I think that him and Odegaard complement each other well. I mean, I've I'm sure I've talked about this a million times, but um, Odegaard always drifts to the right. Um, Emil always drifts to the left, and it's a it's a good balance. Um, but I guess um another point that I wanted to talk about um on this game was the. Jaka and Partey discipline issue, which is something that I've become increasingly concerned about, because within that first half, we had our two center midfielders booked, and going into that second half, I was almost expecting a red card. I mean, it wasn't from Gabby, but um, from one of those two, I was expecting one of them to stick another foot in it, and that it's a concerning thing for me, and I'm not really sure how we could change that, um, or what Arteta can do to change that. But it's just something um concerning that I thought I should bring up.
0: I think it's I think it's definitely more of an issue with Xhaka. Like Partey Parte gets booked a lot, but I think Partey sometimes he gets bookings in the right positions. Like he'll he'll make a professional foul, and there'll be an okay yellow card to take. But Xhaka, they're just they're just moments of madness. Um, I think Partey, the only time he's been sent off was the game against Liverpool Mm -hmm. at Arsenal, I believe. Yeah. And I think you could tell in that game that he shouldn't have been playing. I think he he got rushed back. Um, And it was also just, it was a poor decision from him rather than a pattern of what he's like as a player.
1: Yeah. um, I, I guess... I've been kind of concerned with um, his performances of late. I'm not sure if you have the same thing, but I I found Partey to be a bit underwhelming, and I found that Jacques has oftentimes been the better of the two, which is not something that I want. Um, Of course, it's good, but I think that Partey's had a couple games now where he's just looked off. And, and giving the ball away in sloppy areas. And um, I wonder what, you, what do you think about that and um, what do you think uh, could help him.
0: Well, I think it's part of it's AFCON. Um, he hasn't been back very long. Um, but I also think that Partey's been very solid this season as a whole, um, despite the past couple games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, he. I don't think that I want Partey to be all right, though. I think I want him to be one of our best players. I think that. I think that Ramsdale, Saka, Gabrielle, White, Tommy Asu, Odegaard, um. Martinelli have all been better than him this season. Which is not... For a 45 million pound player, that's not good. Um, I, I think that his role is a bit more subtle as well. But I, don't, I think that in a subtle role, you have to be consistent. Because we're not asking him to do anything that's crazy. We're asking him to take the ball and switch it and let our let our skilled players go at it and, and he's not doing it um cuz we're not asking him to be a world beater but he is one so he should be doing whatever that is consistently and I think
0: I, I think you see the difference without him in the team though like against burnley we really struggled in that midfield area yeah i think i think we need somebody to compliment him
1: yeah and, and um I don't think that I think that that's a good excuse for him. I think that just because Lokonga isn't on Partey level doesn't mean that Partey is where he should be at. I think that I really, really want to see more from him. For example, that city game, he was immense and it really did show. And I think that, he doesn't have to have games like that ever, all the time, but I think just a bit more consistency and a bit more um, challenges in the middle. And I, I don't know what it is, but I'm just a bit underwhelmed by him of late. And and I think that he gets a bit of a pass because we don't have any other midfielders and we still need him because even a ha- uh, not full strength parte is better than any of our other midfielders. I think that it's something that's concerning for me because it has been two years now or one and a half years. And I know there has been injuries and stuff, but that's something that's kind of concerning for me.
0: I kind of, I think I just, I think I just disagree with you on this one. I think, I think we really need Partey in our squad. Um, I don't think he's been underwhelming this season, a few games, maybe, but I think overall he's been solid, especially in that one that run before, before and through Christmas, um, when we were looking at our best. Thomas Partey was at his best, mm. and it's only really been a, like a month of games because we've missed a lot since then, and he was gone for Afcon for a lot of that.
1: Yeah,
0: I, mean, I don't know. What about what do you think about the the red card issue? Oh, yeah. Specifically with the Martinelli one?
1: I I think that for the Martinelli one, um, I think that they were two yellow cards on separate occasions. So if that happened in two separate occasions, I wouldn't have complained. But I think that a yellow card would have been enough there. Because it was, it was one thought process. It was... Martinelli said, "Oh, I have to stop the counter." So he pushes it and then so he so he puts his hand up by the throw and he's still just thinking about I have to stop the counter. So it's one thought process in two fouls. So I think that's one yellow card and I think if I was the other way around, I would probably be arguing the other way, but it's something that I've never seen before and of course it happens with Arsenal. Um but it's it's a uh, It was just bizarre I was I was I was very confused when it when it happened and I don't know I guess uh I guess I can feel for the player and the manager because like it's such a weird weird thing that I've
0: never seen before it technically isn't against the laws of the game for the referee to to give him a red card like going by the laws of the game that is the correct decision but like you said I think the referee can he didn't need to give out a red card there to control the game like with referees if you ask the for professional referees they say that they the same foul that's given in the first minute wouldn't warn a yellow card when it might in the 50th minute because they can control the game with just giving a warning in the first minute at the end that's the, that's the same thing with the Martinelli issue. Like, he's trying to control the game, but he doesn't need to give a red card in order to prevent that kind of behavior from happening.
1: Yeah, because he wasn't making any game-changing tackle or stoppage of the play. It wasn't It wasn't a horrible challenge. It wasn't... So, it's frustrating to see, but... At the same time, it's it's what I've come to expect now, and I mean, we've had what five red cards in the last month? It's unbelievable, and and it's frustrating, and and I think I can see that everyone is frustrated. All the fans are frustrated for sure, but as well, the coach is frustrated, and um, you
0: think. Do you think there's like a pattern behind it of, of why it's happening? Or do you think it's just I think there it's is a few a moments I, of magic, madness? What do you think it is? That
1: Arteta's demands so much out of the players. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, you're just an Arteta lover or whatever. But I think really do think that he demands them to get into their position and into their shape. And a lot of the times you see us 11 men behind the ball. And I don't like that at all. But that's because he's got a he's very the co, the manager is very strict on their defensive shape and so a lot of the times the yellow cards that we're seeing is players sprinting back into their position um to get into their defensive shape and just missing by 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 a little bit so i think it a lot of it has to do with arteta's demands um because our shape is so different from defense to offense um it, it it the transitions are very um are big and if you don't time them right then that's when you get those yellow cards so i think that's where the where the yellow cards come from but i think that i don't think that you should compromise your your style or demanding his players to get back into position for those yellow cards, I think he should just demand them to do it better so that they don't give away those challenges. Um, so I think it comes with... I think we've got the, the the, style down, but now we have to master it and work out the kinks. And I think some of those kinks, as we work them out, um, will get less and less yellow and, and red cards. So hopefully... That's what happens, but you never know. We could just be cursed.
0: I kind of think that I don't think we're unlucky for getting red cards because I don't think, I think with each of them you can see where the referee is coming from. Um, so I don't think I don't think there's an agenda against Arsenal within the referees of like what what some people say, but I kind of think it's more just individual errors for each of them, like. With Xhaka, we know we know. With Xhaka, he's gonna he gets sent off a lot. Um, I think with Martinelli, it's more. He's a raw young player. He can make mistakes like that. That's a common mistake that happens with young players. Yeah. I think it's something similar with Gabriel. Um, mm-hmm. The one criticism that I think most Arsenal fans have with him is that he's a bit rash at times. Like we saw him get sent off against Southampton last season. In a similar way to the how we did against Man City, mm. um, then with the parts I one, we already touched on this a little bit. He's back from Afcon, and he is a player that tends to get booked a lot. And I think I think he sometimes like doesn't think that getting a yellow card is necessarily a big deal for him, uh, because that's that's part of his role. He has to he makes professional fouls a lot. Mm-hmm. and he just he just made the mistake of doing it twice. I don't think a fully fit Thomas Partey would have necessarily done that, which isn't an excuse, but it's just more of an explanation.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that there has to be a pattern because there's no way that we have double the second-place so I think Arsenal has 15 or 16 red cards since Arteta's taken over. And in that same time, I think second place is Southampton with eight. Um, And I don't think that comes down to inexperience or anything like that. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And I think that it would be silly to say that it only comes down to inexperience. I think that it's has to do with a combination of what both me and you have said and... Um yeah, I guess there there isn't really too much more to say about that, but um it's uh very frustrating to see and uh I don't know um, I think
0: specifically with the martinelli one, I don't think it's fair to, for like rival fans to come say, Oh, look at Arsenal getting all these red cards because that's just it's a soft one and it's it's not something that we'll see happen again most likely yeah and
1: and for for me it's like i honestly don't really care what the rival fans say cuz we still got the three points and we still capitalized on Manchester United tying and Tottenham losing so um it's it's a uh, no matter what happened with the red card it we got the three points versus wolves which is a hard team and Manchester United clearly had a hard time with them. So, um, it's definitely a positive and uh, I'm looking forward to our next game versus uh, it's uh
0: who do we play? We play Brentford at home.
1: Brentford at home. Oh, that's going to be a, a sh- that that should be that
0: should be a winnable game. Brentford aren't in the best of form. Um yeah. I think that should be that should be a more we can't we can't we can't take Brentford lightly, but it should be a more comfortable game than the one against Wolves. I don't think we should have to dig in deep against Brentford like we did against Wolves. Mm, yeah,
1: I think that um I think that Brentford is one of those games where they're gonna attack you. And I think that we might want to consider maybe um Maybe um, moving Partey similar to a role how he he did against um, Burnley earlier in the season. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this, but earlier in the season, um, when we played Burnley, um, they play a similar play style as Brentford where they launch it up to their strikers. And um, we had Partey sit in and almost become a third center back at times. Um, and I think that's something that would be useful because with Brentford they kick it up and then they win those second balls. Ivan Tony will knock it down and they're they'll they'll pick it back up off of that. And so I think that we could do something similar there, um, like how we did against Burnley. Um, I think that would be wise. But what do you think?
0: Um, I think we just need to go uh, stick with uh, the the and Jacka partnership. I don't know if you are this was what you were getting at, but Against Burnley earlier in the season, we just played Partey as the lone defensive midfielder. We didn't have him next to Xhaka. I don't want to see that in the next game. I want to see Smither on the left and Odegaard in the 10 with Partey and Xhaka behind them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's still something that could happen, but I, I think that Partey just sitting a bit deeper to clean up those balls is something um, that we could
0: definitely need
1: Especially I think my-
0: considering what happened last time against Brentford, Ben White, he's been good this season, but he got bullied by Tony. Um, yeah, And I think that'll give, that'll give Brentford confidence going into this game. Yeah. But they have really, they've really faded off in the second half of the season. They had their little, um, their their little honeymoon period in the premier league. And now I think they're showing more their true level. Um, they're in 14th at the moment.
1: Yeah, um, and, and also, very, very importantly, we didn't have Gabrielle or Tomiyasu. Um, hopefully, we'll have him for this next game. I saw there was a training video out where Tomiyasu's back in training, um, which is a good sign. Um, but I think that, uh. Tomiyasu is a big bonus because he wins like ninety percent of his aerial duels or something absurd like that. And Gabrielle, I mean, he's it's Gabrielle, so he's up to that physical challenge. Um, and I think those are probably going to be the two biggest bonuses that we have um, that we didn't have this uh, that previous time. Um, and Odegaard, and so it's a. Uh, Let's at the very least, I would be extremely, extremely disappointed if we did not wipe the floor with them.
0: yeah, this is this is a game we should win. Um, I think we will win as well. Um, I think also when looking at Ben White, how he got bullied by even Tony, um, it's not the same Ben White. Ben White has been immense since then. He's massively improved, and with Gabrielle next to him, they've established a great partnership. I can't see. I can't see Ben White getting bullied by Tony again. And I certainly can't see Gabrielle getting bullied by Evan Tony like, like Pablo Mari was. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think
1: that also Ramsdale coming in is a big bonus because I think that even if it's not with saves and stuff, he vocally um, helps keep the back line on it mentally and coming out and grabbing those balls off of the corners and the long throw-ins is something that would be good because I think this was the Brentford game where they scored off of a long throw-in where Leno missed the punch um, or he might have gotten pushed or something in the box, but I I couldn't see that happening to Ramsdale. Knock on wood, but um, um, I think that would be another big bonus to see and then I don't know. I just think being at home, we have a really good home home record. And um, I really, 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 really want to put on a uh, I don't I wouldn't say a a standout win because it's Brentford, but definitive, unquestionable win.
0: I think a bit more uh, like a bit more of like a free flowing win. Uh, like we had against the likes of Norwich, Southampton, West Ham earlier in the season. Yeah, I think that would be good for us just to get the confidence going a little bit. Yeah, because like we have a thin squad. If we're having to dig deep every game, like we did against Wolves, we'll burn out and we won't get top four. So we need to we need to learn not to win ugly. Mm-hmm. To to preserve our energy more. Well,
1: and I'm I'm looking here at our upcoming games, and uh, it's it's winnable games. I mean, we've got Brentford, Wolves, Watford, Leicester, Aston Villa, Crystal, Brighton, Southampton. Like, all of those games, we should win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Barring maybe Leicester City or Aston Villa, I think those are all very, 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 very winnable games. Um, well, Wolves-, Wolves will be tough again. Yeah, Wolves will be tough again, but we'll be at home this time. So hopefully that will help. Um, Leicester is also at home, so that will help. Um, But I think that if we can win all those games, it puts a lot of pressure on the likes of Manchester United, Tottenham, and West Ham to stay with us. Um, And I think that – I mean, I'm looking at our schedule until the end of the season, and we've gotten so many of our hard games out of the way. Um, I mean, we have Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham, and those are by far our hardest games still. Um, so, yeah, um, it's uh, exciting, and I'm, I'm really, really hoping that we can get top four because that will help our, our position in the transfer market.
0: I think this next run of games for us is crucial. I think we need to get a bit of a gap um, yeah. because realistically, we're not going to win every game the rest of the season. Yeah. and if we don't establish a little bit of a gap, then spurs Spurs and United will probably be right behind us, and they can overtake us really quickly. Mm-hmm. and when we have when we have these these games like these easy easier games no game is easy in the premier league but easier games we need to establish just that bit of a gap so when we do play chelsea we can afford to drop points a little bit more yeah
1: yeah um i think that for us um the 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 next four or five games is very important because if you look at um, the teams around us's form, I mean, Manchester United has, has got all right form. They, they tied a couple of games there. West Ham has really not got good form. So I'm not too worried about them. Tottenham really does not have good form. So if, if these other teams around us don't have good form, this, this is where we need to step up and create that gap because our form won't last forever and neither will, th- neither will theirs. So... Um, it's important. Um, and hopefully we just get better and better throughout the season. Um, I'm, oh, Paul, I'm not sure if I told you this, but for spring break, I'm going to go to London and watch a game.
0: Oh, that's exciting. Which, which game are you going to?
1: I will be going to the Brighton one.
0: Is that at the Emirates?
1: Yes, it's at the Emirates. And we're trying to get tickets to the Crystal Palace one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with uh, Sam Caton.
0: Uh-huh. Shout-out, um, Sam.
1: Shout-out, Sam. Hopefully he's listening. Yeah, I'll tell him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I've never been um, to the Emirates, but it's it's a dream of mine, and I'm very, 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 very excited. Um,
0: it's, it's, it's certainly an experience. Um, I went a few years ago. Um, the game that I was at was – it was at home to Manchester City, I uh, finished two two. Wow! And guess guess who the who the goal scorers were? Do you remember?
1: Was it Or?
0: No, 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 not that, not that long ago.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, when was this? Twenty when? It was two thousand seventeen. Um, I would guess a Aguero, Sterling, and. Ozo,
0: we didn't we didn't have a variant yet. You got, you got you got one of them right. You got Agüero right. So well, of course, okay. So I was in, I was in the um, like one of like the box seats. It was right behind the, the goal. Stane right. scored the the opener five minutes in, and I remember the people the people next to me left right after that. Oh. <laughs> rough season um yeah. then Theo Wolcott scored the equalizer um Aguero made it 2-1 right before halftime and then Arsenal legend Mustafi with the with the equalizer to make it 2-2
1: <laughs> never say those two words together ever again
0: yeah. please
1: um that was
0: yeah. that Alexis Sanchez days yeah
1: i mean i I really 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 hope that we win because it would be so sad if i went to a game and we end up losing and it'd be such a depressing moment for me because i'd be there and i wouldn't enjoy it at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have to you're gonna have to to book one of those stadium tours too
1: oh yeah for sure i'll do that one
0: thing one thing i try to do um they didn't have any scheduled for when i was there but they have they have legends tours sometimes, so you can just get a group and have like, have like Lee Dixon or somebody take you on a tour.
1: Oh, that would be cool.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll
1: look into that. We can, we can, uh, I can watch our trophy cabinet.
0: I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very jealous if you manage to do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. That would, that would be crazy, but um, yeah. So, is there any other Arsenal news that we haven't talked about yet?
0: um this isn't exactly Arsenal news but I suppose it, it kind of is there's the this, this yes. Super Bowl just happened um for those of you who who don't know about the Super Bowl because I'm sure there's plenty of people on here who are non-Americans um and are just listening for Arsenal Stan Kroenke owns the LA Rams who did win the Super Bowl um I was not too happy about that what about you
1: well, I mean, it's kind of a double edged sword. I don't like him. So I'm not happy that he has any type of success. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, theoretically, if Stan Kroenke succeeds, then he'll take his money that he earns and invest it somewhere else. So theoretically, it could be Arsenal. This is all theoretical because as me and Paul know, there's no way that he'll invest any more money into Arsenal, but it's, uh it's, uh I couldn't care less. I wanted the Bengals to win and they didn't win, but whatever, dude, I don't know. Cronky is a very, uh, not liked guy at my household. And, uh, I couldn't care less what he
0: does with the Rams. I'm not a, not a Stan Kroenke fan either. I'm not sure many people are, even outside of Arsenal. He's just he's just not a great human being in all aspects of life. To be completely honest with you,
1: <laughs> true. Um, I but saw. I saw, I also saw there was an interview that came out recently with uh, Josh Kroenke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was an interview with uh some ESPN I, I forgot what it was called but if you look it up you can uh, listen to it but he uh he talked about his experience with Arsenal so far and um the Super League and it's a lot of stuff that we've heard before but um um he he, he mentioned that that the Super League was a uh uh COVID response which we know that it wasn't because it was planned before COVID hit um and, um and he he talks about um Arsenal and his his kind of journey um as they've accumulated more ownership um and I have to say that it actually sounded good his answers actually sounded good um which is concerning to me because I don't I think that he really is a good PR guy. Um, Stan is, and I really do think that he knows what the fans want to hear. Um, and so, a lot of the times, I can't get a good read on him because I, I listen to these interviews and I'm like, "Oh, all right, he actually, he actually uh, knows what he's talking about. He 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 seems like he cares." But then there's reports coming out and uh, other things that I just I just see very two conflicting um pieces of evidence so i, I think I, i'd recommend you to watch that uh interview and let me know what you think about it
0: mm-hmm. i've i saw that it happened um i don't know i don't know if this is just like a clickbait title or something but i heard i saw that it said that he said that the nfl fans don't share as much passion as the 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 european fans which Mm, I think if I was an NFL fan, I'm not sure I'd be too happy about that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure how many NFL fans really care that much. I mean, I think that, let's be completely honest, I think that European soccer fans are pretty, pretty, pretty legit. And and, uh, I honestly think that he's he's willing to put up with a stick that he'll get from those American fans to – little type of love from any type of European (laughs) because he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of it um so I think he can afford to lose a bit of trust with the with the the Rams fan base as he just won them a Super Bowl he could he could say that about he could say it the other way around if we won the Premier League a couple times I wouldn't care (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. I think Uh, I think Josh is kind of I don't really I don't really believe like any of the things he really says because he always like every like every like year or so he comes back with an interview and it's like, oh, we're really gonna we're really gonna focus on Arsenal now, we're really gonna invest. And it's a bunch of words and no actions. The last time I remember his dad showing up to an Arsenal game or doing anything related to Arsenal at all was the 2017 FA Cup final nothing from the super league even Liverpool's owner did something for the super league with Stan Cronky silent just like his nickname silent Stan
1: yeah I I mean I think that showing up and watching the games is something that is the bare minimum and that's not something that they do or Josh Josh comes every once in a while but Stan Stan never comes and I understand he's a busy dude but it's it's just uh not something you want to see. I, I don't I think you want someone that's fully invested in the club. Um and 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 he clearly isn't. So it's a uh, cranky out over here.
0: Yeah. I don't think I don't think Stan even tries to make it look like he cares about Arsenal. I think Josh tries to make it look like he cares, but yeah. I think we all know that he doesn't really care. He's just kind of Definitely. He's a good PR guy, like you said um, he whenever he's in interviews he he gets his point across well he's very well spoken but it's all fake none of it none of it is real
1: yeah and, and uh I don't know he he just kind of seems like a robot like I'd love to see some passion from him like actual passion you know I mean I don't know but it's um it's okay I guess um, uh, we're not gonna see any change soon so it's a uh, something that we're kind of stuck with and we're gonna have to deal with so
0: when when Stan himself said that he didn't buy Arsenal to win trophies I think that's just that just sums it all up really um, that says it all I don't want somebody owning my club who isn't owning it to win trophies
1: yeah I I think that it's just a lot. La- I mean, for me as an Arsenal fan, I can't remember when we last time when we last won a trophy, and and I hear about all this history that we have, and I just want to experience that myself. You know what I mean? And it's fr- it's infuriating because if I was born ten years earlier, I would have had it all.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and so it's uh. It's a frustrating thing, and and ever since they've taken over, we've gone downhill. Um, hopefully, that luck is starting to change, but you you never know, you never
0: know. And there's just there's just no real end in sight. Like Arsenal are so profitable, um, no matter how much, how big the offer was that Stan got, he wouldn't sell because Arsenal are what makes him able to fund the Rams. Arsenal are by far KSE's most profitable club
1: yeah yeah and there's just so much money in the Premier League the more and more and more and more TV deals that happen and it, it's it's less and less likely that they'll sell anytime soon um, it wouldn't make financial sense for them unless if a bit of like 10 billion came in um, and and I just don't see that happening so it's uh it's uh Something that we're just gonna have to live with, and hopefully uh, we can live through and above them.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it for a, for us today. Um, it's kind yeah, of a not sour note. To... Kind of a sour note to end the episode on, but thanks for tuning in as always, and yep. we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.